It's a scene with which I'm sure you're all familiar. It's probably being enacted as we speak. Imagine a busy city centre scene. You're on the way to the festival and you catch up with a, a dad and a wee boy walking along. The wee boy is excited. He's off to the show. He's off to some extravaganza and he prattles on and on and on and you're just behind him and you hear his incessant questions and you just hear the monosyllabic grunts from the father who really can't be bothered with the wee boy. And eventually Jason goes on and on and on with his excited questions and eventually dad says, Oh Jason, just give me peace. And that really is our theme tonight because as I said in the introduction there's perhaps not an awful lot of peace around our society is consumed with noise and bustle certainly in the city centre there's never quiet there's always the noise of traffic the sirens, the drunks the radios and then of course the dreaded mobile phone and even as we pause perhaps one would go off and I thought about staging it but I think that's a bit unfair. Who knows, there might be one will go off. Marks and Spencers, you're just there minding your own business. Hello, Jean, they've got your size. Is it a 14 or a 16? An 18? Well, they've got them in red or blue. Which ones do you want? And these sort of conversations are inflicted on us all the time whether we like them or not. I like train journeys. They're a lot more relaxing than, than plane flights. You seem to be a wee bit more in control, but not necessarily, but it's nice to sit down with your coffee and your shortbread, courtesy of GNER, and a good book, and a nice quiet carriageway. And then the guy behind starts on his mobile phone. You know that sales meeting, John, next Tuesday? I want you to bring all the details broken down by postcode. And you can phone Lucy in the office if you want any help with your PowerPoint slides. Hello, Hugh. That meeting next Tuesday, I want you to bring... By the time he'd spoken to his 15 area reps, I felt like saying, look, if I bring out my phone, we could do half of them and cut down the noise. And that went on all the way to Peterborough, so I didn't really enjoy my book or was terribly relaxed. But seriously, we desperately need some silence because how is God going to talk to us? Imagine if we, Samuel, had been on his walkman outside the temple. He would probably never have heard God speaking or if he was busy texting, how could he have heard the voice he probably wouldn't have heard it enough to go and misinterpret it and speak to his boss, Eli. Or even worse, on his portable telly, he'd probably be watching Big Brother and the latest eviction. So what chance would God have, and I speak really reverently, of speaking in that circumstance? Because often God speaks in a very small voice. And I submit that in our present culture, often the clamour of noise and noise pollution really blocks out our alertness, our sensitivity to God. God wanted to speak to Elijah 
one of the Old Testament prophets. And we read in 1 Kings 19 how he did it. And it's really very surprising. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And what would you expect? Tremendous drama. And there was. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came what? Came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. So how are we going to hear the gentle whispers of God when there is so much noise pollution? And I would submit one of the main culprits is TV. The TV produces many, many problems. There's hardly a home that you go into when the TV or the telly as it is isn't blaring or is even worse in the corner with the sound down and you try and work out what channel they're on or what program they're watching. As a family doctor, as a GP, I do lots of house calls and very often the telly, almost universally, is on. I remember going into one house and saying to the family, could you see to the telly please? And they went over and they adjusted the vertical hold and the contrast and they said, is that better for you now, doctor? And really, I get quite cynically adapt. I'm quite good at all the various remote controls, but they're getting more complex now with satellite, and I'm normally a lot more explicit in my courteous instructions, because we obviously need peace, and we need peace to communicate and find out what the problem is and how we can sort it together. I was interested in a recent sermon from John Ockberg from the Willow Creek Church, and he discusses very realistically the problems of television and the abuse of television. And he describes it as a major factor in society's problems. And in particular, what he describes in sort of American speak, but we can understand it, as relational disconnection. Surveys have found that those that depend principally on the television for entertainment have less friends, volunteer for charity work less and are even less likely to attend church. It is mildly addictive because it is the cheapest way to avoid boredom and we recognize that and we acknowledge that. I was horrified to see recently that 30% of children entering school and teachers will know this better have a television in their bedroom and you can imagine what they watch and that figure rises to 70% of school leavers. Think of not just the noise pollution, but think of the mind pollution in that. And John Ortberg has said that if Christ were to come now, then perhaps he would suggest, as opposed to a food fast, a media fast. And there's a lot of sense in that, because we need to attune our spiritual sensitivities and get rid of some of the junk which is continually fed into our homes and our hearts and our minds. This is expressed in a parody by J. Jones, a UK evangelist. Let me read it to you. The TV is my shepherd, I shall not want. It makes me lie down on the sofa. 
it leads me away from the faith it destroys my soul it leads me in the paths of sex and violence for the sponsor's sake yea though I walk in the shadow of my responsibilities there will be no interruption for the TV is with me it's cable and remote control they comfort me it prepares a commercial before me in the presence of my worldliness it anoints my head with sexism and consumerism my covetousness runneth over surely laziness and ignorance shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house watching TV forever well it's cynical but it's largely true and it's something that we have to take on board and I'll not embarrass the person with the mobile phone but I'm not here seriously to deliver a diatribe against TV it has many many positive aspects and can be a great help particularly to the bereaved the shut in, the lonely some of us should be watching more TV but many should be watching a lot less and certainly whether Christian or not we should all think about our use of television and limit it and control it and place it before God if we sit slumped in front of the telly we're very unlikely to hear that gentle whisper of God and we will not know or hear or experience that deep and inner peace that Karen shared how do you spend your time alone with God are you attuned to God and do you hear his gentle whisper in Psalm 46 that we sung we hear that God is our refuge and strength an ever present help in trouble well we sing it we believe it but how do we know it how do we experience it the answer is in verse 10 later on be still and know that I am God we have to stop and acknowledge the deity but what God are we talking about what God is it is it Allah is it Zeus the Greek God is it the God of the mountains or the countryside which we love or is it any God that suits you as we would find if we went into the streets well the Bible is very explicit on that it's the God Jehovah Isaiah 26 you will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you trust in the Lord forever for the Lord the Lord is the rock eternal that is we're told to trust in the Lord and he will keep us in perfect peace that is the Lord God who sent his son Jesus who said dramatically and poignantly when he was facing his crucial, cruel crucifixion John 14 peace I leave with you my peace I give you I do not give you as the world gives do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid you heard me say I'm going away and I'm coming back to you if you loved me you would be glad that I'm going to the Father for the Father is greater than I Jesus described himself as going away and coming back a picture of his death and resurrection and he certainly earned the right to talk about peace 
some of us that were at the Jesus Passion Play at Dundas Castle, some of the cast were members of the fellowship here. And I, being a sentimentalist, was really very moved at the scenes, which we acknowledge in our hearts, but when you see them enacted, of Jesus speaking, speaking about his betrayal, of his coming passion, of his cruel crucifixion, of being nailed to the cross. I had, and I admit it, tears running down my face because it made me realize just with what authority he spoke and with what proof he demonstrated his authority by his resurrection, by his coming back to life again. As the theologian Eddie Askew has said in a poem, Where is your peace, Lord? What are you trying to tell me? When Jesus offered his peace, he was facing the cross head on. And it wasn't just words. He could talk of peace while he felt the pain because he was at peace. Jesus was at peace even though he was facing that horrific execution. Do you know that Jesus is not just a bland God? It's not just a deity that we worship in the countryside. It's not just an eternal feel-good factor. This is the Son of God who came, who spoke, who was murdered and who rose again and has ultimate authority. First Samuel chapter 3 verse 7 Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not been revealed to him. And it's quite possible that we don't know that Lord and that he hasn't been revealed to us. And that's the Lord that we're speaking of tonight. And the question is fundamentally and ultimately, what is your relationship with God? Do you in fact know him? Or is your world flooded with noise and distractions, albeit many of them legitimate? We live our lives today at an incredibly fast pace much of itself generated but much we can't control but has that blotted out has that blanked out an awareness of God and the possibility of a relationship Romans 5 verses 1 to 5 a very profound passage therefore since we have been justified through faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us that passage encapsulates a tremendous amount but I just wanted to pick out one or two small bits this describes having peace not just from God but in fact peace with God a different type of peace our relationship is totally different that sort of peace is not a subjective feeling in other words peace of mind but is in fact a new relationship with God once we were his enemies, but now we're his friends. 
And as, as a result, we have gained access, access to God the Father. Interesting word. Can we just hover over that a moment? Point the cursor at it, whatever you like to do. Just open it out. All police leave in Lothian and Borders Police Force has been cancelled for the month of July 2005. Why? Because there is a big summit conference in Glen Eagles Hotel and there will be an unprecedented security operation. There will be exclusion flight zones, there will be thousands of police officers and everything else round and in and about Glen Eagles Hotels because all the heads of state of the big capitalist countries will be in Glen Eagles. Now access to there will be impossible. If I go up and say, look, I'm really just quite interested in having a wee chat with Tony or George, I mean, I'll not get past the first perimeter. Or if you like a more current example, if you go to the Olympic Stadium, say, look, I'm really interested in some of these athletes. I've followed their careers, and I'd like just a wee chat before they run their race. You will get nowhere. Or imagine if you go to Buckingham Palace to the throne room and say, well, look, I would just like to come in and see an investiture. No, I don't have a ticket. No, I don't have got my morning coat, but I'm a loyal subject. You're not going to gain access. But imagine the eternal throne room with God the Father and can you imagine being introduced, and I speak slightly flippantly, but reverently too, by Jesus to say, Father God, can I introduce to you my friend, Karen, Norman, Eric, Mary, whatever your name is. In fact, he's a friend, but he's really my brother, my sister. Can I introduce you? What phenomenal access that is. And that's what this passage is talking about. Access to an eternal living God being introduced by an eternal Son who has come back to life. We have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. If we grasp the reality of that, then surely we can know real and inner peace despite suffering sufferings that will come we don't know that peace because of sufferings that's something different but yes we can know peace in the midst of these sufferings and incredibly in Philippians chapter 4 we're told rejoice in the Lord always I say it again just in case we missed it rejoice let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In my personal experience, I find this one of the most difficult verses in the New Testament. As I said earlier, I work as a general practitioner my daily work is inevitably dealing with people with ultimate or very real anxieties and that rubs off on me and sometimes I get very anxious and it's very difficult isn't it and we know that from our own experience to say do not be anxious about, about anything but everything in prayer and petition 
but we're told to rejoice incredibly to rejoice in some situations when awful things happen it can be almost impossible but we should not lose sight of the hope that our faith gives us and the reality that Jesus is near so we shouldn't really be frightened or fearful if in fact Jesus is sitting beside us again in that sermon I was amused because John Ottenberg was saying he can be with you in everything Jesus can be with you in the driving test he's in the passenger seat he's looking a wee bit anxious but he's with you but that's the reality that Christ is with us we may lose the sense of that reality but it says quite clearly in scripture that Jesus is near and therefore our anxiety should be balanced by prayer with thanksgiving and what do we receive? the peace of God an incredible gift which is described as transcending all understanding a phenomenal gift which is almost beyond comprehension and then a phrase that I like I'll guard our hearts and our minds this describes the peace of God again as I said it's not a psychological state it's an inner tranquility produced by having our sins forgiven by having peace with God by knowing God like Samuel did and having Christ guarding our innermost thoughts Christ guarding our innermost thoughts let's think about the phrase guarding let's go to security analogy again and I know analogies are difficult and sometimes you don't want to push them too far but imagine you feel under threat perhaps your house has been broken into something awful has happened you feel, you feel you're under personal threat of injury you perhaps feel the burglars the thieves, the robbers are going to come back and some of us have been in that situation and we know the fear and the fright that that can give us and imagine if the phone rings and it's the local police to say we're sending some officers round they'll be in your house tonight so they come and they set up camp and you're very grateful and the peace level drops the, the anxiety level drops and you feel more at peace and then they say well actually we've got the armed response unit as well they're in the street down there they're in an unmarked car you're going to feel pretty secure and then if you can imagine will not push it too far you hear the helicopter blades of an unmarked helicopter landing in the field beside you and these balaclava clad figures slip out the helicopter and disappear into your bushes and cover all the angles of your house and the policeman in charge of the instant says well don't worry that's the SES you're going to feel pretty secure and you're going to feel very much at peace and that's really describing, if you like, protective custody. But what we're talking about in this verse is God's protective custody. He's saying that he will guard our hearts and our minds with legions of guardian angels. We often lose the reality of that, don't we? But that analogy perhaps shows what is available and what we don't realize and why we suddenly get consumed by our own anxieties 
I just pray that in a world consumed by noise, TVs, mobile phones, and many, many other pressures, that we can know that peace with God and from God. And I pray that that may be our experience tonight as we commit, as we can meet with the living Christ. And I just pray, and I pray on your behalf, O oh God, give me peace. Let's just conclude our service with a, a hymn that really encapsulates